I'm gonna, I was asked to tell you a bit about myself as a Christian and as an art teacher, so that's what I'm doing. So I'll introduce myself a little bit more. You've already heard from me, but just so you understand where I'm coming from um, when I start to talk about Jesus. So I'm an art teacher. I've been teaching since late 2004, minus three maternity leaves of varying length. Uh, and I thought I'd talk to you about why I teach and why I teach art. And I've kind of alluded to that already a bit. So as I said, art brings me so much joy. I love making things. I love finding a tutorial, trying it out, making something, looking at a picture, trying to copy it. I love looking at art, seeing perspectives, like I said before, and being pushed to think about someone else's perspective throughout history. Uh, I like to hear people's stories and rethink how I see the world. And I was really fortunate to grow up in a family that values art and the arts, um, all of the arts. Music, got a composer uncle, dancing mum. Uh, it was something that was really positively encouraged as I grew up. Um, my dad's aunt, so my great aunt, was an artist and she was the head of design at the National Art School. And she taught my grandfather on my mum's side and he went on to um, hand colour photographs and um, other pictures. His wife, my nana, got a scholarship to Julian Ashton School of Art. She'd been having her artworks published since she was 14. Um, my mum teaches and practices a range of different arts um, at community colleges and places like that. She did this as I was growing up. I used to be her little water jar filler paint distributor as a primary school student um it's always been a re really positive thing um i was really lucky when i was 16 my uh, my grandma took me to italy and i completely fell in love with italian renaissance art history and then all art history and it just continued and uh, it expanded um, but i didn't always want to teach art and despite my parents suggesting art teaching as a career numerous times, um, I changed career paths over and over. I actually finished school and started in a commerce degree and didn't last very long there. Um, I eventually did an art history degree. And at the end of that, I decided, I decided, God decided, I loved working with teenagers. I'd been leading on beach mission and doing youth group. And so... Wouldn't you know it, my parents actually knew me quite well. Um, and I decided to study art teaching. And once I did that, it was like a switch that I couldn't turn off. The joy I get when I share something that I'm passionate about, um, something new, when someone else catches that enthusiasm, it keeps me wanting to teach. I've just finished reading, listening to the audiobook of Amy Poehler's story. Amy Poehler, the comedian, do you know who I'm talking about? Um, very funny. Laugh out loud if you're walking around the block. Snort out loud while you're laughing. Anyway, but something she said really resonated with me and she's talking about the difference between a career and a passion. And she said, creativity is connected to our passion. It's that light inside you that drives you. The joy that comes when you do something you love. That small voice that tells you, I like this. Do this, do this again. You're good at it. Keep going. As you've heard, I'm also, I'm a Christian. Um, and that being someone who follows Jesus, who is sinful as all of us are, but who is trusting in Jesus' sacrifice to make me right before God. 
And I've enjoyed teaching at a number of different Christian schools over the years, and I've been able to share my faith alongside or intertwined with my love of art and creativity. As Mark Twain said, and I'm pretty sure others have echoed, uh, to get the full value of joy, you must have someone to divide it with. And what a gift it is to get to share not only the joy I find in admiring and making art, but also to get to share the joy found in knowing Jesus. And we are all, as I said before, made in the image of a creative God, the creator God, the great designer of the universe whose creativity, rhythms, patterns, colors, music and movements are so far beyond what we could comprehend. But we're made in his image with creativity as part of our makeup. And so something that I pray at the start of each of my lessons at school, how cool is it that I get to pray with my class, is that we would delight in being creative because we're made in the image of the great creator. And I hope it inspires them to feel that they are able to create. Because as I took a little survey before, the number of times people go, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't my thing, I'm not creative, I'm not, this. We, we are. So I've been really fortunate over the years to learn from many great artists and art teachers, both from within my family and out, at school and at uni, and the other teachers I work alongside. I've made some, some nice things, I've made some less nice things. I've learned a lot through mistakes and experimentation and practice. And I like to think that I'm, I'm quite teachable. I'm still learning every day. And I always create what I'm asking students to create before or while I'm teaching them so I can be fresh and in the same headspace. Also, I can feel some of the pain that they're feeling as they mess through a project they don't really like doing. But with all that said though, one of the things I struggle with often is imposter syndrome. Who's heard of the term imposter syndrome? Anyone? Okay, thank you. Um, you can, this is the definition of the internet. It's a psychological occurrence, so it's in our mind, in which people doubt their skills, their talents, their accomplishments, and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So coming here, preparing to paint with you, when I spoke to Helena, I said, or I wrote, well, I'm really not a painter, I'm more of a printmaker, I think, and I overthink, and I get nervous that I'm going to come out and teach you a class, and that someone in the group will stand up and say, oh, actually, that's not how you do it. Um, I've been doing this for years now, and you should be so embarrassed that you're even standing up there doing that, because, well, this is how, blah, 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 blah. This is, how I, this is how I process coming to prepare for you. I look at other creatives, at other artists, at other teachers, at other people making or selling a brand, their brand, uh, their product on social media or TV, and I compare myself. I look and I think, oh, they'd do this better. I shouldn't be the one doing this. They'd correct me. Look, they'd probably know a better way to do this. They'd get a better result. They're going to know that I don't know what I'm talking about. How embarrassing. I don't want to be found out. And this is the, the dialogue. Not a dialogue. Nobody's talking back. It's just me. It's in my head. But it's not only my job uh, that I question my skills in or my validity. Sometimes it's in my parent parenting. Often it's in my parenting. It's maybe it's in being a wife, in being a minister's wife, in being a Bible study leader 
What if people find out that I'm actually not that nice? What if I lose my temper? Um, what if they find out that I'm in a foul mood a lot of the time and that I stamp my foot, that I walk out of the house when I'm grumpy, uh, that I don't read my Bible enough or pray enough, and on and on and on it goes. And so I find myself looking to how other people see me and I worry about what they'll think of me and how I come across. I'm sure I'm not alone in that trait. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I have spoken to enough people in my life to realise that I am not alone. Uh, the desire to be liked or to be seen as good enough or worthy of what, I'm not quite sure, uh, but to have value placed on myself from other people, that seems to be something that most of us want. But something I'm learning about or learning or trying to develop is how to change my own self-talk. And by self-talk, I mean the voice that we use in our heads, that voice that tells us that we're imposters, that we're going to get found out, that we're not quite as good as that person. Or maybe, I don't have this one so much, but maybe it's the voice that says you're better than that person or that they're not doing a good job. This voice that tries to tell me who I am. So what I'm trying to do is change this by preaching the gospel to myself. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, talk to yourself, but don't listen to yourself. Um, so I need to, we need to, as Christians, preach the gospel to ourselves daily and sometimes more than once. Um, I came to know Jesus over the period of my childhood and into my teenage life, and I won't share that story now. Uh, but my understanding of what the gospel means for my life, for our lives, uh, is something that I've been growing in understanding of over the last 25 years. I'm not 25. I just feel that's when I've switched on to it a bit more. And the gospel changes how we see ourselves. So what do I mean by the gospel? Many of you could give me a fabulous definition. But the practice of preaching the gospel to yourself requires clarity in our understanding. So I'll, I'll give a definition. What is the gospel? It is the truth that all of us were made by God for his glory, that all of us sinned and were therefore separated from him, and that God, who is merciful and gracious, sent his one and only son, who was without sin, to die in our place as a sacrifice, sparing us from the judgment and eternal death that we deserve. And that through his sacrifice, we can be reconciled to a relationship with God and can look forward with hope to the restoration of creation and eternity with God who loves us and made us. That's the gospel. So knowing this, who I am and whose I am, changes everything. The Bible tells me that I'm a child of God. I am both sinful and saved. I'm no longer defined by my sin by my impulsiveness, by my disorganisation, by my strengths, my abilities or my weaknesses. I'm accepted by God and I'm significant and I can be secure because my identity is in him, not in what other people think about me. So this is where my self-talk has started to change. And as I said, I'm working hard on this practice daily and it's a hard practice to master, especially when your internal voice is loud and sometimes critical. There's a war for my heart and my mind, which Jesus has won, but it's daily felt in my life as a Jesus follower. And if you're not currently in a relationship with Jesus, then perhaps that freedom and kindness to yourself 
that the gospel brings has struck a chord with you and I'd encourage you to talk to someone at church here to get to know Jesus. Right now I want to share a passage that I go to often uh, for myself and often with my own kids as well. And it's from Romans 7 where we hear the Apostle Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, wrestle with his inner voice. He says, In fact, I don't understand the way I do. I act the way I do. I don't do what I know is right. I do the things I hate. I know that my selfish desires won't let me do anything that is good. Even when I want to do right, I cannot. Instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's doomed to die? It's pretty negative self-talk. And he acknowledges his, his position and his failing before God. But then he has an opportunity to speak the gospel to himself. In verse 25, answering, who will rescue me? He says, thank God Jesus Christ will rescue me. So Paul's practiced preaching the gospel to himself, and it's a well-trained muscle. In 2 Corinthians, he writes, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we squash those voices, take all of those thoughts and put them through that lens of the gospel, wearing Christ. And that's what I want to be practicing. In practice, what does that look like? Well, what I'm trying to find, what I'm trying to do is when I find myself stuck in a loop, focusing on how I failed or I haven't met up to the standards that I hold for myself or I feel like someone else has, I'm trying to work the muscle that draws me back to the gospel to preach it to myself. Sometimes that looks like admitting sin, stopping and repenting, reminding myself of the truth and reminding myself of God's goodness and his beauty and placing myself back in him. What it looks like is to remind myself I'm not defined by how other people see me, by the job I have, the money I earn, the good or not so good things that I make or do. Instead, I'm defined by Christ's goodness. Even though I might have failed, I've actually received, and this is you too, I've received Christ's perfect record and I have access to all that Christ has. So I can pray for patience, kindness, grace. I can forgive and I can apologize if needed and I can remind myself that Christ is in me and my identity is found in him and he's working in my heart. Sometimes my overthinking and negative talk is focused on what someone says about me, the labels I place on myself. If I'm preaching the gospel to myself, then I'm speaking the words of Ephesians 2, that I'm God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, and from Philippians, that I can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God is not finished with me, or with you. As I've prepared this talk for you, I've been reminded how much more I need to be working this muscle, how much more I want to be dwelling in the Word of God, not just referencing it and giving you occasional verses, but I want to be dwelling there, settling in, making it my home, and becoming so familiar with all that is around me that it just becomes second nature to change my self-talk into affirmations of Jesus' work in me. So as I finish and we get back to painting, um, I pray that we might encourage each other to preach the gospel to ourselves 
and to each other by sharing those truths from from Jesus um, with each other and that we might seek to know more of him so that it's him who defines us and not other people's voices. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, can I pray for you, please? Lord God, thank you um, that you see us uh, through Jesus uh, when we acknowledge his, his gift for us. And I thank you that you offer that to all of us. Father, thank you that we are not defined by how the world sees us, by the voices that we um, speak over ourselves, but we are defined by being uh, your precious creation. And I pray um, for each of the people in this room today. Pray that they would know uh, that they are uniquely and wonderfully made by you and for your glory. And we commit the rest of our afternoon to you in Jesus' name. Amen.